Well, good morning. Everybody doing okay? It is my honor and my privilege uh, to be here, and I appreciate uh, this moment and uh, to be able to be here and to share this time with you. And um, I, I also have my backpack, just so you'll know. So those of you who are going to have your blessing of the backpacks and uh, kids, you know, w- what normally goes into a backpack? What do you put in there? Let me hear it. Stuff. <laughs> Sounds like me. Stuff. You know. I understand we have some visitors from Odessa here, by the way. Some travelers. Hey, let's give them a hand. Yeah. They're up and they're traveling. So Godspeed and all that y'all do and, and all that y'all are up to. Okay, so what, what else? What else besides just stuff? What? Okay. Well, tell you what. Let's take a look. I'm going to open up my backpack. This is my backpack. So let's see. I have a ticker. Okay. All right. That's good. Let's see. I've got, oh, Tigger. Sit right there for me. There you go. All right, let's see. What else? Oh, Tigger. I'm sensing a theme here. And Tigger. Oh, right here at the beginning of the school year, we have Tigger. And you know what? The deal about Tigger is, kids who are out there, Okay, one of the things we say at Wesley Prep, in fact, this can be for everybody, okay, is to be yourself. Actually, we say it like this, be yourself. Go ahead and try it, everybody. Be yourself. There you go. So the deal about Tigger is, what is the deal about Tigger? Tiggers are wonderful things. Why are they wonderful things? They know who they are, you know? Oh, the wonderful thing about tigers. It's tigers are wonderful things. Their heads are made of rubber and their tails are made of strings. The bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. Most wonderful things about tigers is I'm the only one. Oh, yes, sir, I'm the only one. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> the deal is, is that we're going to be talking about today some of what makes you, you. Okay, and you need to remember one of the first things is, is that you're the only one, like a snowflake, like a, like a fingerprint. God only made one of you, and you are it. And so God has expectations, and God has hopes and dreams for you. We're going to talk a little bit about that just in a moment or two. And so just know that when you get there, that you really just need to be yourself the way that God made you. And, you know, the media and all this other stuff says, okay, you need to be this way and you need to be this way and all that sort of, uh-uh, okay? Listen to what God tells you. And God does indeed speak within you. So just know that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, too. I do bring greetings, by the way, from Friendship United Methodist Church in Friendship, Maine. It was my honor a few weeks ago to help them celebrate their 200th anniversary of uh, being a church there. And then I had a chance, it was kind of interesting, to ride my motorcycle from Maine all the way back down to Dallas, over 2,000 miles on the bike. Trust me, when in Westerns they talk about being saddle sore, I know what they're talking about, okay? The neat thing about it was, you know, as I, as I was riding and I was taking a lot of back roads, I would go through these towns and there'd be these, uh, on the square or on Main Street, 
the United Methodist Church. And you'd see things like the, the clothes closet was going to be open on Saturdays, or they're going to have, especially up in, up in New England, they're going to have a, a bean pot dinner for the entire community. And as I would travel down, I would see these things. I, I pulled into a, a KOA, some of y'all may, you know, campgrounds of America, pulled in, and there was a magazine there, and I picked it up, and there was an article about uh, in the flooding in West Virginia how several of the family bridges had been washed out and the trouble that families had to rebuild those and the safety issues and things like that about not having the bridge to be able to connect you up to your house. And there was an organization that was helping them rebuild with a bunch of volunteers. And the organization was called the United Methodist Committee on Relief, UMCOR. There's another article that I picked up about a, a village being established for retirement folk who wanted to help maintain the community garden, and they had tiny houses, you know, the movement of tiny houses. Once again, a United Methodist project. Then I pulled into Kentucky, and I stopped off by the Abbey of Gethsemane, which is in Trappist, Kentucky, an abbey that I've been connected with for about 25 years. Stopped in there. It, not, as, not as holy or as sacred stop as you might think, because the monks make fudge. Oh. So anyway... Traveling on down through that part of Kentucky, and I was on some of the back roads, and I passed a farm, and there was a sign out front, and it said, Just Be Kind. I thought, that's pretty cool. A few more miles, there's another sign up on a fence, different in color and, and font, but the same thing, Just Be Kind. Then I saw another one. Then I saw another one. Then I pulled into a small town, and there, of course, was the Methodist church sitting there on Main Street, and out in front was the sign, Just Be Kind. Now, it did pique my curiosity, so I had to look it up. College Heights United Methodist Church in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. There's a small group there that is hand-making those signs. So each sign is individual, and it's going out. They cost $10, and the money goes to help causes in the community, people who are in need, people who are in need help, and that sort of stuff. And they have sold over 2,000 of those signs. There are over 2,000 reminders, and I hearken it back to the prophet Micah, you know, just be kind, love justice, and walk with God. And they're out there. And I got to thinking about the prayer shawl ministry that we do here at Lover's Lane. And the fact that we have the ladies who knit the prayer shawls. And uh, I have benefited by using one. And I've also given different prayer shawls out to members of my family. And their number in the thousands as well. That idea that there is a community, a people that are praying for them. And so this understanding of what we are about as a faith community, but also one that is connected uh, through the system, if you will, the connection as they refer to it. I was real happy to be able to watch some of the Uniting Methodist Conference that took place right here at Lover's Lane, and it was streamed out onto the web. In fact, the videos are still there if you uh, want a chance to be able to watch that. And the fact that we're all drawn together in a, cent in a, in, in a central purpose, my dad would say he likes to call churches outpost of the kingdom of God. You and I are a part of the outpost of the kingdom 
of God. And there are certain expectations that God has of us. Of course, we have expectations of God as well. And so we need to be able to remember these things. First off, in all of that, all of us, regardless of your age, you are a child of God. Go ahead and own up to it. Say out loud, I am a child of God. Look to your neighbor and say, you're a child of God. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're a child of God. When we start chapel, one of the first things we do at Wesley Prep is, is that we remind each other that we are indeed children of God, regardless of our age. That's who and whose we are. And so we know that we're children of God. Now, you've acknowledged that your neighbor is a child of God. So if you go out and you know that you're a child of God and you know that your neighbor's a child of God, whether they know they're a child of God or not, it doesn't matter because you know that they're a child of God and God knows that you know that they're a child of God. There you are. Part of that understanding of those expectations as being an outpost of the kingdom of God, which Lover's Lane has been for 75 years here in Dallas, which the weekday school and Wesley Prep has been, we're, cel- we're going to be celebrating our 50th anniversary of being an outpost of the kingdom of God. And one of those things, when we talk about church and we talk about school, we are Methodist. John Wesley prized the brain. He prized reason. You know, it's often said that if you get three United Methodists into a room, you're going to have four opinions, okay? But we do, we think... We're allowed to think. We're allowed to take the way that God speaks to us through Scripture and through hymns and through songs and through quiet moments and through loud moments. We're allowed to take those things and make them our own and own them personally, ourselves. And so in that understanding, you know, and and it's hard because sometimes when we talk with people, I remember there was an old story. um, I'm from South Louisiana, born south of Interstate 10. And so I know some philosophers, and one of them's name is Boudreaux. Now, Boudreaux finds himself in court, and he's there, and and there's a a lawyer that's kind of going after him. He was known as the Cajun Claw, okay, this lawyer, and he's hammering Boudreaux bad. And at one point, he looks at Boudreaux, and he says, now, did you or did you not tell the officer? When the police officer arrived on the wreck, that you were fine. And Boudreaux's there, and he said, well, Shad, he says, don't let me tell you. He says, no, no, uh uh-uh. This is a yes or no question. Did you not tell the officer you were fine? Well, you see what happened. No. Judge, would you please tell him to answer this question? The judge looks down at Mr. Boudreaux. Mr. Boudreaux looks back up at the judge, and Judge says, well, it sounds like Boudreaux's got a story to tell, and I think I want to hear it. Thank you, Judge. Well, you see, this be what happened. I done put out the farm, and I got my truck, and I got my trailer, and in my trailer be Bessie, my mule. And we be traveling along River Road, you know, going along. And then all of a sudden, one of them big sugar cane trucks comes out of nowhere. And he got this sugar cane done piled up to the sky, and it's piled up thick, it's piled up heavy. There'd be no way that truck gonna stop in time. And it don't hit us. And it hit us hard. And the next thing you know, old Bessie, she's on one side of the road in the ditch, and I be on the other side of the road in the ditch. And, and I hear old Bessie, and she's moaning and groaning and everything. And I try to get up to go over to her, and I realize I got that broken leg. I can't move. 
And about that time, that officer, he done arrive on the scene. And he goes over because Bessie is making so much noise and everything. And I hear and everything. And he's over there and all of a sudden I hear the boom. And Bessie, she not be making no more noise no more. And then he come walking across that road. And I'm sitting there with my broken leg. And he's sitting there with that pistol in his hand. And he looked at me and he said, now I had to take care of Bessie. How are you? What you think I'm going to say, but I'm fine. You know? At times we need to assess the situations that we're in. But our responses always go back to God's expectations. What are God's expectations of us? Okay? And I always boil it down. I always, I always go back to, to three simple things. Love, mercy, and grace. What kind of love, what kind of mercy, what kind of grace can I give at this time in this moment? Now, as we recognize that we are indeed children of God, we're human. Dasher Keltner is uh, a neuroscientist, a neuro uh, doctor. And he's the guy that did uh, all of the consulting for Pixar and Disney on Inside Out, the wonderful movie Inside Out. And he was their brain expert. Now, he's written a book entitled Born to be Good because he has recognized certain things in the human mind that you and I are wired really to be good. If you follow the theology of John Dominic Crossan and Matthew Fox and a few others, uh, you know, blessed, you know, original blessing instead of original sin. And it makes sense that God, you know, as God creates and God looks down and says, however you want to read the creation stories. But in it, you know, there's God looks down and says it's good, says it's good, says it's good. At the end says it's very good. It's you and I. And so when we do good things, those things that fire off in our brains, those endorphins and those, those, those chemicals and those, that electricity that makes us feel good in our hearts, and particularly with children. I remember Dylan, my youngest, who's uh, not even a teenager anymore. Um, boy, and it happens fast, okay? Parents, hang on. But I remember him at Soup Kitchen, and he has the pitcher of water because he, he was too young to be trusted with the pitcher of milk. And he's going around to the homeless tables, and he's reaching up, and of course they're helping him out. And then I remember Woodrow, my oldest, on mission trips down in Honduras, and there's a picture we never showed mom. He was the king of outhouse construction. <laughs> now there's a royal title for you. And there's a picture, and he's on the precipice of, the, of a cliff that drops down, and one of the Honduran gentlemen is holding his belt as he's reaching around trying to hammer in a nail on the back side of that. But I remember um, not only the joy I have in watching them do this, but the smiles and the joy that they had on their faces. And that's the beginning, or at least the beginning to grow of an understanding of a spiritual core within them. You and I are innately spiritual we're born that way we really are there's even science that backs it up but i like to think you know when when god creates and god breathes into us the breath of life holy cpr if you will that god breathes into us that breath of life that part of that dna of god then is within you and me that's part of what makes us the children of god 
Spiritual core is a definition used by Dr. Lisa Miller. She's a professor at Columbia, has done some extraordinary work uh, with, with children and with youth. And it talks about our responsibility um, as just the body, as just the family of Christ. And one of the things she talks about is the growing of that spiritual core and the importance of that spiritual core. She had a group go into a high school and they were there and they asked the kids around, okay, who are, who's the in crowd? Who's, who's in the in crowd? All right? And, you know, some of y'all know because some of y'all were in the in crowd. Some of us observed from the sidelines. All right? And they asked and they said, okay, well, it's this group of girls here and then it's this group of boys here. They're the in crowd. She sent another group several weeks later, questioning another group of students. And at that time, they just pointed to what they knew to be described as the in-crowd. They just pointed to them, no other definition than that, and said, what makes them who they are? What makes them, you know, what, what can you say about that group? For the girls, it was their weight that distinguished them. For the boys... It was their substance abuse and the way that they disrespected the boundaries of the girls. Okay? That's the, the definition given to them. That's what you and I are trying to help prepare our kids with an understanding of spiritual core to really be opposite of. Remember, God has expectations of us. God measures differently than the way the world measures. God measures differently than the way the world measures. Now, Dr. Miller and her research, and I want to make sure that I get this right, talks about spiritual core. Spiritual core means, first off, the dinner table, anything and everything is acceptable. There are no questions that shock. There are no questions that can't be discussed. There's nothing now that you may want to move some away from the food on the table and into the living room maybe when they're talking about some things. But nothing's off topic. The family can talk about what comes up in the hearts and the minds of children. And so, but always a reference towards the higher power as she puts it. Children who grow up and develop a spiritual core, a healthy spiritual core, and go on through high school and into college, 40% are less likely to abuse drugs, 60% are less likely to have the teenage depression, and 80% are less likely to engage in dangerous relationships. They've watched this, they've patterned this, and one of the other things that they have is brain scans that deal with different parts of the brain, the way that they are built up instead of shrink down, the way that those parts of the brain are built up to help them understand who and whose they are as a child of God. Okay? And so that's what you and I at Wesley Prep, that's what we try to teach 
each and every day and the teachers try to instill that into the students when we're here at Lover's Lane Sunday morning in the Sunday school and in the youth groups in the camps that we do through the summer the the vacation Bible school and the art camps and the drama camps and even the basketball camps and all of those things done here on this sacred ground are trying to instill that understanding of spiritual core Mary Margaret and I were traveling with a group of youth as y'all are traveling. And it was um, in, the, uh, in the 80s. And we had a hodgepodge because we had kind of the rejects from other churches. Now, just look at that statement. We had the rejects from other churches. But you know, we had the kid with the green mohawk and the 14 earrings up his ear. We had the girl that was raised on the Harry Krishner commune and was a vegetarian, so we always had to find a salad bar when we were traveling. You know, just these little things like that. And sometimes we would enter into a church, and we would know when we were welcome. It didn't take very long at all, just the looks and the glances. And we just stopped in whatever church it was. It didn't have to be Methodist, whatever, you know, we just pulled in. So... Uh, we were in a church van that had all kinds of problems and it decided during the hottest week of the year to break its air conditioning. So we told the kids, wear your t-shirts, wear your shorts, whatever. We'll put in a big ice chest, we're going to open the windows. But when it comes church time, we're going to pull off and try to find a church. And we did. And we walked in, this hodgepodge group of kids in their t-shirts and shorts and flip-flops and everything else, looking like they hadn't had a shower because they actually hadn't. Looked like they'd been riding in a hot van because they actually had, you know. And we came in and we sat down and everybody turned around and looked at us. A couple of the ladies got up and left. And I thought, oh my goodness. We worshiped. As we were leaving, those ladies who left were standing outside. And I was like, okay, now what is this going to be like? And she said, we don't know how much time you have, but we've gotten some of the ladies together. We've fixed y'all sandwiches. We have Cokes and drinks for you. And if you have enough time, we have some pie in the oven. Some of these kids were from inner city New Orleans. A couple of them were from the projects. They had never experienced homemade country pie with ice cream melting on top. Oh, if nothing doesn't say love, mercy, and grace as the sweet smell of an apple pie when a lady reaches in and scoops out a big old thing of ice cream and drops it on top. And hands it to you. How we teach is how we interact each and every day. And what we need to do is we need to remember as children of God that you and I are reinforcing that understanding of love, mercy, and grace. Jeremiah is trying to deal with, with, with Israel. And Israel has had a hard, hard time. And they've been out in their history and different things have been happening to them. And they think, okay, Israel thinks that God has abandoned them. But God never abandons any of us. 
regardless of your age, regardless of where you are in your life, just know there is always opportunity, there is always hope in God's love and mercy and grace. And so Israel's there and Jeremiah's there and Jeremiah is talking for God. God is channeling down through them. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And God says to his people, which means he says to you and me, I know what I'm doing. It's nice to hear that sometimes, isn't it? From God. You know? Depending upon what you're facing and how, you know, when you pull down and 635 is totally packed and you needed to be at Love Field 10 minutes prior to when you got on. But then God says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for me. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want more than anything else for me to be a part of your life, I'll make sure you will not be disappointed. God has plans for us. Now, I'm not a predetermination, predestination kind of guy. Although God tries to prove me wrong sometimes in my life. But God has plans for us. And if you and I can just open up each day with the awe and the wonder that each day is a gift given to us and decide then and there, I'm facing this day no matter what comes my way with love, mercy, and grace. It's amazing the things that can happen when we just turn it over. There was a great theologian, Carl Barth, who was, you know, wrote those really big, thick books with those really long words in it. He was at a press conference and they said, you know, if you could had to boil all down all this great theology that you put out and all that sort of stuff, what would you say? And he would say very simply, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Creator, we are yours and you are ours. Help us to go through each day knowing that we are truly blessed as your children as children of God. And help us to show that to everyone we meet, knowing that we're helping them in their spiritual core, but we're also helping ourselves in our spiritual core. Getting to know you more clearly, getting to be with you more nearly, getting to know your love more dearly. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.